in your Bibles this morning, Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. There's an emphasis throughout all the Bible on how you can be ready to go to heaven when you die. And it's not religion, it's not clothes, it's not routine, it's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sins, was buried, defeated death, hell, and the grave, rose victoriously, and ascended into heaven to prepare a place for you. If you're going to go to heaven when you die, it's going to be because you came to the place where you realize that you were a sinner and your good works were not good enough, but Jesus in love made a way that you can have everlasting life. When we come to Matthew 21, the parable of two sons, we come to a very famous story, and actually one that has a strong moral, uh, moral emphasis. I'll talk about that in a minute. And the strong moral emphasis of the parable of the two sons is great. But I want you to know something, that there is an eternal uh, truth in this parable that, that is far greater than the moral truth we find out. And it actually is the, exactly how the Lord shows it to us in the context. The parable of the two sons today, I want to read it to you. And we'll begin reading in verse number 23 of Matthew 21. The Bible says this, And when he was come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? And Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing, which if ye tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or of men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did ye not then believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people. For all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. And he said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. But what thank ye? A certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward... He repented and went. And he came to the second and said likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father? They say unto him the first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For God came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward, that ye might believe him. We come to this parable, and what a great parable it is. I love this story. And I'll just tell you, there was many times as a child and a teenager that my mom reminded me of this parable, and rightfully so. Uh, she wanted to teach me and uh, if necessary beat into me the need to do what you say and uh, follow through with your words and your commitments and in the story there's a great moral lesson to be learned and I think when we read the story we all come to a similar conclusion just like the Chief priests and elders did on this particular day. Jesus tells them the story. He says, there was a man that had a vineyard. He asked his son to go work in the vineyard. Son number one looks at dad and says, I will not. Can you imagine? 
That kid's rude. That kid's unkind. That kid's rotten. He says, I will not. I'll just tell you, as the father, the father in me, the hair stands up on the back of my neck and I want to smack somebody. I'm not saying that's right either. But uh, he said, I will not. But look what happened. A little time passed and he said, boy, I really blew it. I messed up. He repented. And he went and worked in the vineyard for his dad that day. Then their son too. Son too. Dad says, I want you to go work in the vineyard today. And son too says, I go, sir. And the Bible says he went not. And Jesus just gives this simple parable. Then he asks the chief priests and the elders who he's dealing with this time, which of the two sons, which of the two sons did the will of the father? And they say, well, it's simple. Son number one. But he didn't say what he was supposed to say. No, he didn't. But he repented and did what he was supposed to do. And we have that parable and that great story. And I'm just going to tell you, if you can't be trusted with your words, you're useless. And if you identify as a Christian and you lie and cheat and steal and don't keep your word, shame on you. You're living in sin and you're being a very, very poor representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is important when you say you're going to do something, you do it. But let me tell you something. That's not the main emphasis of this parable. And so God's called me to preach his word. And I want to share with you what the Lord wanted us to see and how the Lord was using this great parable to encourage a group of people, the chief priest and the elders, to repent of their sin and put their trust in a Savior so that they could have everlasting life. Let's look at it together, and I'll read to you this story. This story begins in an interesting spot. If we're going to take it in its context, which is what we should do, why in the world, I always ask myself, why did Jesus teach a parable like this? And you back up just a few verses, and you see very clearly why Jesus teaches this parable. It begins in verse 23. The Bible says, When he was come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? So the story begins this way. Jesus is right in the middle of his earthly ministry and he's doing some amazing things. He's He's causing the lame to walk and the blind to see, the deaf to hear. He's raising the dead to life. And Jesus is doing some amazing things. He's going into the synagogues and he's teaching the word of God in the synagogue with authority and power like the Jews had never heard before. And so the chief priests and elders, as was their practice, they were doing their best to try to get Jesus, instead of submitting to Jesus and obeying Jesus and following and acknowledging Jesus as Savior and Lord, they're trying to catch Jesus' his word. And they're trying to get something so they can pin him down and, and even ultimately crucify him, which we know that they do. And so they come to Jesus, the chief priests and elders. Now I want you to see these guys. I'm going to put the chief priests and elders on this side, and we're going to talk about... Uh, uh, some other folks, the publicans and harlots, in just a few minutes, they'll be on the other side. The chief priests and elders on this side of the aisle, these guys were the guys you'd think, them's church-going people. I mean, they dressed like they went to church. They smelled like they went to church. They did. They went to church every time the doors were open. They were the kind of people who had memorized large portions of Scripture. And these particular guys were leaders in their church. And they were the folks in their church that was uh, emphasizing what you needed to do 
in order to be godly. Chief priests and elders. But the very people who were in charge of the Jews' religion were the very people when God fulfilled it with Jesus Christ. They were rejecting the Savior. And these guys, they'd come along and they were trying their best. They didn't want to hear and they didn't want to acknowledge all the good that Jesus had done. And it backed up over that. They didn't want to acknowledge what John the Baptist had done either. And so they come to Jesus and they say to Jesus, you tell us something. We're chief priests. Can't you tell? Look how we dress. Can't you tell by the way we talk? Can't you tell by the things we do, the loud prayers we make, and the religious things we engage in? They look at Jesus. They say, you tell us by what authority you do these mighty works. And so Jesus says, all right, let's make a deal. Look what the Bible says in the next verse, verse 24. Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one thing, which if ye tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. He says, all right, let's make a deal. Here's the deal. I'll answer your question if you'll answer my question. And so Jesus asked a question. Some of you are curious what his question is now. He says this, verse 25. The baptism of John. Whence was it? From where did it come? He says, from heaven or of men. So Jesus looks at this group of guys the chief priests and elders, and he says, all right, you've asked your question, here's my question. If you answer mine, I'll answer yours. He says, John the Baptist, from whence did John the Baptist preaching and message come? Did it come from heaven or did it come from men? Now, you and I, if we believe the Bible, we know already where that message came. It came straight from heaven. You know, John the Baptist came with an interesting message. John the Baptist, the Bible said, was the precursor of Christ. And John the Baptist came preaching a sermon to the Jewish people that was of utmost importance. What was the sermon that John the Baptist preached to the Jews? He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Why was John preaching repentance to the Jews? I'll tell you why. The Jews were doing their best, and under the leadership of folks like the chief priests and elders, they were doing their best to try to obey the law and keep the law and maintain all the sacrifices and all the holy days and honor the Sabbath. And They were trying their best to keep all the law. And the truth is there was groups of folks in the Jewish community who though they were trying to honor God through the law, they were clear and understanding that they were not able to do all that God required. They were sinners. They couldn't get it all done. Now, the ruse was this, that lots of folks like the chief priests and elders, though in their heart they, were, they knew that they were guilty of sin, they were not willing to repent and acknowledge that they were sinners. They were not willing to acknowledge that their religious effort was not good enough. And so when John the Baptist came along and he preached, he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. Well, what happened is the honest Jewish folks that heard the message they're like, oh my lands, I've known in my heart for all these years that I wasn't keeping the Ten Commandments and there was that time that I had that thought that I shouldn't have and I'm guilty before God and I didn't get the sacrifice done and I walked too far on the Sabbath and I did this and I did that. So they had this, the honest folks that heard John's message, they heard John and they, heard, they felt the power of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit and they repented and were baptized before Jesus came along. 
They acknowledge that our religion is not good enough. Our religion, it does not save us. Our religion condemns us. I'm a sinner. And large masses of people in preparation for Jesus to come were repenting and saying, my religion is not sufficient. I'm a sinner. And it won't be long until Jesus pays the price ultimately for their sins and they have everlasting life through faith in Christ. It's an amazing thing that was going on. But there were groups of people who repented and groups of people who didn't. And on this occasion, the chief priests and elders were folks that had not repented and were still holding fast to their religion instead of putting their trust in the Messiah that had come and was living right before them. And so... Jesus says, here's my question. All right, chief priests and elders. Did John the Baptist come from heaven or men? Is his message heavenly and right or is it fleshly? Now I want you to see what these men do. Now if these guys were true followers of God, they would have disregarded any other thing other than they would have said, what is right, what is godly? But here's what these men do. The religionists, they come and they speak up and they talk to each other. The Bible says in verse 25, the baptism of John, which was it? From heaven or of men? Verse 25, it continues. They said, the Bible says, they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did ye not then believe him? Then, verse 26, but if we say of men, we fear the people. For all hold John as a prophet. So this group of religious leaders, the chief priests and elders, here's what that Jesus says is John the Baptist from heaven or of men. We know he's from heaven. And they come together and they think, all right, now what, how can we answer this question? How can we answer this question in the right politically sound way? How can we answer this question? And so they say to one another, they say, look, if we answer this question that he's from heaven, then Jesus is going to be able to turn right around and say, well, why didn't you believe him? And they're like, well, we can't answer from heaven. He says, but if we answer from men, all the people that are under us, all the people, they think John's a prophet. If we say of men, we're going to be in trouble with all the people. And what I see is a group of people the chief priests and elders that are far more interested in trying to keep the people quiet and trying to cover their own tracks and guard their own reputations rather than submit and surrender to the perfect will of God. It's a sad state of affairs when you see these guys. It's a sad state of affairs. They're doing their best to say the right thing, but they're unwilling to do what God requires. Do you see that? You see, the first thing I want to bring to your attention is the condition of the chief priests and elders they would not accept Jesus' authority. They denied John's authority. They denied the Holy Spirit conviction. They reasoned among themselves. They would not admit their error. And they feared what people had to say. Folks, let me encourage you to do something. If you're worried about what folks are going to think, if you repent of your sin and trust in Jesus, you're held captive by a fear that will condemn your soul. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. The only person on this, the only person in the world that matters what they think about your soul is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to be willing to repent and trust in Christ and Christ alone. And don't be worried about this political game where you're trying to please everybody, trying to keep from having to admit you're wrong. Let me tell you something. You're wrong. 
Have you ever been around somebody that was scared to death to admit they're wrong? And you knew they was wrong. And everybody else knew they was wrong. But you knew they were scared to, admit, to death to admit they're wrong. And everybody knows they're wrong. But And then you kind of in the background, you probably should have been in the background, you kind of snickering like, that guy won't admit he's wrong for nothing. And we all realize how silly it is. Let me tell you something. On a far more serious note than just being wrong with somebody. When you're ashamed to admit that you're wrong before God, you're dealing and battling with something that has eternal consequences. And these men, the chief priests and elders, their condition was this. They were willing to say whatever they could say to save face. They were willing to say whatever they could say to stay in power on earth at that moment. They were willing to say whatever they needed to say, but they were unwilling to repent and obey God the Father. You understand? That was the condition of the chief priests and elders. Number two, the convicting parable. I think you'll begin to see why Jesus gave this parable. We know that the men in verse 27, when Jesus asked the question, they, they said, we cannot tell you an answer. We're not going to give you an answer. And he said to them, that's fine, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. Verse 28, here's how he begins his parable. He says, but what think ye? Tell me what you think about this, boys. He says, a certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, son... Go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father. They say unto him, the first. Jesus saith unto them, verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. I want you to pay close attention to that. Jesus said the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Now, on one side, we have the chief priests and elders. The chief priests and elders, they look it, they sound it, they talk it, but they will not repent and trust in Jesus. On the other side, the Bible gives us two categories of people, publicans and harlots. Publican. Let me tell you something. The Jewish people disdained the publicans. The publicans were the group of Jewish people who had decided to side with Rome, who at that time were the captors of God's people. They decided to side with Rome. These were Jewish people who decided to side with Rome, and they became the collectors of taxes and the collectors of things. They were the folks who would actually cheat their people in order to pay Rome. Publicans. Publicans were notorious liars. Publicans were notorious uh, defectors from the cause of the Jewish world. The publicans were notorious cheats. And the Jewish people hated the publicans. If you were to look at a publican, you'd say, oh man, that is the lowest scum of the earth. So the Lord says publicans. He mentions publicans and he says harlots. Now I'll just tell you harlots what you think a harlot is. A harlot was someone that would literally sell their body for lewd and nasty and wrong, sinful things. God's word was anti-harlot and anti-publican. But God's grace was sufficient to cover all those sins. And so when Jesus gave this parable, 
He'd just talk to the chief priests and elders who they dressed right, they sounded right, they acted right, they said God in their, on their lips, they kept things right and clean outside. And Jesus says, let me tell you something, boys. Verse number 31. The publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? What's God's perspective? God says, let me tell you something. Publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you, chief priests and elders. Do you see their clothing? Do you see their actions? Can you imagine what they did this week? Do you see their clothing? Can you imagine their actions? Can you imagine what they did this week? And Jesus says, I want you to know some of these folks are going to heaven before you do. And then he gives some insight. Verse 33. 32, he says, For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward, that ye might believe him. What did he say? He says, let me tell you the difference. He says to the chief priests and elders, let me tell you something. You guys are sons number What's that mean? He says, you guys are sons number two. You just said that son one did the will of the father. Son one, what was he representing? Publicans and harlots. Son one, when the father said, go work in my vineyard. Son one said, I will not. Son one was rude, unkind. Son one was dirty and rotten, scoundrel. Son one was bad. But son one, after father says, hey, go work in the vineyard, and he responded sinfully and wrong, son one said, you know what? I did that wrong, and the Holy Spirit convicted And son one repented. Son one said, I'm wrong. I'm a sinner. I need to honor my father. I need to obey my father. Son one ends up pleasing God. Though he started looking, sounding, and being rotten. Son two the Lord says, chief priests, elders, you guys are son two. What did son two do? Son two said the right thing. I love that little word, sir. And son two says to the father, father says, go work in my vineyard. Son two says, I will, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Son two, he had... Perfect southern hospitality and manners. I remember I just, I was a freshman in college and I went to New York City. And uh, I was pretty excited about that. People want to talk to me in New York City for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, but I was, went to New York City and I went to Dunkin' Donuts. It was one of the first times I, it was the first time I ever went to Dunkin' Donuts. And I thought, man, this coffee is wonderful. And I went to Dunkin' Donuts and I got coffee and a blueberry muffin. And, uh, the lady, I think she said, would you like that large? And I said, yes, ma'am. And that lady from New York City looked at me and was like, where are you from? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> She's like, you're not from around here, are you? I said, no, ma'am. <laughs> but this guy, he had perfect southern manners. I will, sir. He said the right thing, acted the right way, looked the right way. But as soon as he'd finished saying what he thought dad wanted him to hear, he didn't obey. 
He didn't repent. He didn't do. And the Lord Jesus sends this parable. He says, let me tell you something. Chief priests, elders, faithful churchgoers, members, the guy that always dresses the part, smells right, Sunday school teachers, etc. etc." He says, let me tell you something. If you are trying to act like a Christian, talk like a Christian, look like a Christian, but you've never repented of your sins and trusted in Christ for your Savior. Son 2 has a far greater chance of going to heaven than Son 1, who's represented by publicans and harlots. What's the whole message? I'll show you. The Bible says in verse 31, Whether of them twain did the will of his father. They say unto him, The first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, That the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Verse 32, 4. John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye... When you had seen it, repented not afterward that you might believe in him. What happened? As John the Baptist came preaching, repent. There were groups of publicans and harlots that heard the message. They were pricked in their conscience because of their sins. And they repented and acknowledged to God they were sinners. And because they acknowledged to God they were sinners, they had the first step towards having eternal life and faith in Christ. But these guys... What did they do? Oh, they kept trying to honor the law. They kept trying to obey. They kept trying to be good. They kept trying to do, do, do. And actually so much did they put confidence in their religious experience and activities that when Jesus actually came to redeem their souls, they rejected him and sent him to the cross. So let me ask you a question. What's better? Son one realizes that he's a sinner that he does the wrong thing, repents and turns to the Savior. Or son too. It's always doing and saying and being what everybody thinks he ought to be, but never repents and trusts in the Lord. You see, it's very possible that son too can show up and grow up in a church just like ours. It's possible that son too could become your pastor. Folks, we need to get to the place where we understand And know and acknowledge that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And we repent and trust in Christ for our soul salvation. I think it's good when God does a work in your heart and you want to change things on the outside. Let me tell you something. If you think somehow just changing things on the outside is what pleases God, you're wrong. We need to humble ourselves repent of our sins and trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone for our soul salvation. And this day when Jesus is really being pretty rough on the chief priests and elders, let me tell you something, he wasn't being rough on them because he hated them or because he wanted to hurt them or harm them. Jesus was being tough on them that day. You know why? Because he wanted them to repent and trust in him and be saved and have everlasting life. But let me tell you something, You'll not go to heaven because you joined a church. You'll not go to heaven because 
you attended a church. You'll not go to heaven because you did good works or put money in an offering plate. All those things are important in the right order. The only way you ever go to heaven is when you respond to the Holy Spirit showing you that you're a sinner and reminding you that Jesus is the only Savior. And when you pray and trust in Christ and Christ only for your soul's salvation, you see that is the purpose of the parable of the two sons. Don't trust in religion. Be like son number one. You know that, man, I've been dirty and rotten and mean, a sinner. And you repent. And then you get busy serving Jesus with your life. You'll be glad you did. That's the parable of the two sons. You ask God to show you where you fit into this parable, into these truths. And you do business with God in your heart. If you're here today and you need to be saved, oh, I pray today is the day you get saved. Don't put it off anymore. Oh, may the Lord help us. Let's pray, Father.